Hello, I'm Carl Oakes, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Way of the Higher Self. This is a spiritual path of self-transformation with an emphasis on specific evolutionary practices. It's suitable for people in the early stages of personal growth, as well as for those who've been working their path for a long time. And I want to emphasize that wherever you are on your journey, I honor the work you've done to get there, and I'm grateful for your willingness to consider what's offered here. So, from that place of respect and appreciation, I'd like to ask you the following questions. Do you want to be more grounded, more loving, and more effective in pursuing your goals? Would you like to be freely and fully yourself, justifiably trusting that your words and actions will always be constructive? Would you welcome a relaxed and yet passionate life with real and rewarding relationships, uninhibited creativity, and commitment to a spiritual life task? From my own experience, I know that if you're willing to work this path persistently, it will give you all of that. If you'd like to join me for this and other episodes, I'll show you how. Hi, I'm Carl. I'm really glad you're here. Let's get started. This episode is the first part of the introduction to the third practice of the Way of the Higher Self, Own Our Judgments and Reactions as Reflections of Ourselves. And I think a good way to start this off would be to offer a sort of a synopsis or an encapsulation of the human condition along the following lines. First of all, we live in an imaginary world which is colored by our past experiences and the conclusions we've drawn about the world based on those past experiences. And the way that works is that uh, our brain observes what's happening in the present and interprets it often on the basis of the assessment, I've seen this before. Now, unfortunately, the problem there is with the word this, okay? I've seen this before. Certainly, I've seen something that looks like this before, or sounds like this before, uh, is generally true. But the problem is that our brains uh, tend to overgeneralize and tend to think that the same things are happening over and over and again th uh, throughout our lives when that's really not necessarily the case. So let me give you an example. Let me go back to something that I've already talked about. Um, I come home and, um, you know, my, I, I say hi to my wife and she's on the phone or she doesn't hear me or something else is going on and for some reason she doesn't answer me. And so my brain says, I've seen this before. This is the same as my dad not paying attention to me because my dad didn't love me. Okay, which I mentioned before, I think it was in the first practice, that judgment, my dad didn't love me, is a little complicated. There's elements of truth to it and elements of falsehood to it. But my 
childhood brain interpreted that that was what was going on. So now in this situation with my wife, I say, my brain says, I've seen this before. That's, you know, this happening again. Okay. Um, when it's not, it's just something that looks and maybe, you know, looks and or sounds like something that happened before. So the interesting question is, um, why do we do this? And the answer is because we're hardwired to generalize for survival. In other words, uh, if we didn't, we'd have serious problems. A good example of that is, let's say, that I stick my hand in a fire and it burns me. Suppose that my uh, thinking process from there was, gee, uh, that fire really burned me. I should go stick my hand in a bunch of other fires to see if that's always true um, because I don't want to overgeneralize. It could be that it was just that particular fire. Well, you know, that you can see where that would not be a survival feature of the brain if we were all wired that way. Um, so what we're doing is we're taking a, a, a hardwired hard feature of, uh, of the brain that's there for survival and uh, we're applying it to these more subtle emotional events that require more careful interpretation than whether or not um, fire is hot. Okay, so now in the next step of this uh, synopsis of the human condition here, this kind of brief encapsulation of, of how, how we function, um, the next thing is that we enlist the lower self uh, to protect ourselves from the threats that we imagine. Uh, so for instance, and going back to the example of me and my wife, I uh, now imagine that I'm in this hostile world where nobody cares about me. And maybe I even take it a step further and go, you know, and they're rubbing it in my face. They're, they're not even making the effort to pretend that they care. Um, and so I, I'm seeing myself as being in this hostile world and now I'm going to enlist some kind of lower self feature. You know, it might be aggression. I might get mad at her and say, you know, how dare you treat me like this? When I come home, you should at least drop what you're doing and say hello. You know, uh, you can see where that's probably going to go. Um, I could try to uh, manipulate her somehow. I could, for instance, I could make her feel guilty or try to, you know, um, I feel so bad when, when I come home and you don't even pay attention to me and, you know, I, I'm a victim, essentially some, some version of a victim narrative there. Um, or, you know, who knows what else, okay? Um, a lot of other things I could try to, to, uh, to try to protect myself. For instance, let me, let me fill that gap in. I, I might, uh, I might go right to the liquor cabinet and have a drink and numb myself out uh, because I don't want to feel that, um, that sense of not being loved. And maybe too, 
you know, I can get back at her that way because if I'm drunk and disagreeable and emotionally available, unavailable, that'll teach her, you know, not to pay attention to me. I'll, I'll show you what emotional detachment looks like, you know. So that, that could be uh, a, a, another possibility. The point is that a lot of times when we, um, when we perceive these threats, that's when our, uh, that's when our lower self comes to the fore, gets activated, okay? All right, so what happens when the lower self gets activated like that? Generally, the world doesn't like that. And by the world, I, I guess I mean people. Um, the world reacts negatively. So again, in the uh, scenario that I gave you where it's myself and my wife, uh, if I'm aggressive, she might yell back at me. She might storm out. She might, uh, you know, decide to get a divorce. Who knows if I try to manipulate her and, you know, uh, try to make her feel guilty. She may get angry about that. She may counter with some kind of ploy of hers. You know, well, what about the time you did this and that? And the other thing, she might, you know, try to guilt me back. Um, and if I go have a drink, you know, I, I don't know what her, necessarily what her play would be for that. And none of this is real, by the way, okay? This is not what my relationship with my wife looks like. I want to make that clear. But <laughs> this, is the, this is imaginary to, uh, to illustrate some things. But whatever it's going to be, it's not going to be good. Okay, so we, the world reacts negatively. And then what happens when we get these negative reactions? We interpret those as threats. We interpret the negative feedback uh, to that lower self-activation that, uh, that we engaged in because we were trying to protect ourselves so we wouldn't feel bad. Um, the, now we're getting not very pleasant feedback for that, and now we are back to feeling threatened. See, we felt threatened um, when we generalized that this thing that's happening is another example of this bad thing that happened a long time ago when I was a child and that, you know, uh, is a, it kind of proves the point that life is dangerous and, and hard and that I have to fight back and all of that. And um, when we, we, so we enlisted our, our lower self to protect against those threats. The world didn't like that lower self energy that we put out and so it reacted to us negatively and now this is more threat that we're perceiving. So you can see where this then becomes a vicious cycle. You know, it's perceive, perceive a threat, defend, you know, put out bad energy, get bad energy back, more threat, defend some more, and around and around it goes. So if there's any way that we could stop this, um, that would be really helpful to the quality of our lives, all right? And the point of attack that I'm advocating is this 
mechanism of the mind that says, I've seen this before. We have to challenge that. We have to systematically learn to not believe that and instead to inquire into the situation and, and if there's any kind of after the fact about it, um, you know, if we're looking back on a situation that went south somehow, whether we acted out or whether we just felt bad, it doesn't really matter that much, um, we have to kind of unpack what happened uh, in our psyches and then re-educate this whole mechanism, all right? That's the, that's the challenge. And as you'll see, it takes some work, um, but there's no alternative. You know, anything else that we do other than kind of opening up the hood and, you know, fishing around in there to, to learn what each of the parts is doing and, you know, uh, to educate ourselves about the process so that we can then decide how to influence it in a constructive way by by bringing mature, realistic judgment to it. Anything else we do is just going to be compensation. It's just going to be stuff that we have to do every day uh, in order not to have things go haywire. And then if we forget to do it, or if we're really tired, or we're really stressed, we're going to revert to uh, you know the old habit. In order to permanently change, um, we have to do some work, and it has to have an analytical aspect of, of uh, self-reflection to understand what's going on. So let me just um, encourage you to be willing to do the work that I'm going to show you. Haven't shown it to you yet, but let me encourage you in advance by um, talking about a little bit about what the benefits of this work is, are going to be. You know, why do we do this? What's the payoff? So uh, I'll say benefits is what we're talking about. And um, the first one is simply to be in reality. I talked about this uh, earlier. Anytime that we're, I, I was talking about it when I was talking about kind of manipulation of the self and pretending to be something that we're not. If we're manipulating the self, if we're pretending that we're something, somebody we're not, we're you know, creating a falsehood. And so we're, because it's false, because it's not what is, then it's out of harmony with the universe. And then that sets up a stress, you know, an interference pattern in, uh, in physics terms. It, you know, it's energies that are not in sync, that are not in phase and that are bumping up against each other and creating friction. And so, uh, if we can be in reality, we can eliminate all of that discomfort and we can drop down into a more uh, organic, inherently blissful state just because we're not, uh, we're, we're not setting up that kind of interference. So that's one benefit. Another one is to remain connected to other people. When I come home and my wife doesn't answer me, uh, I could say, hi, uh, did you hear me? Or I could look and see if she's on the phone. Um, I could do things to 
enter into connection with her rather than immediately taking what has happened as a reason to separate on the basis of an illusion. All right, that's a shame to separate on the basis of illusion. And yet, you know, it's, it's the whole human story in a way. Okay, um, another reason is to remain serene instead of being triggered, right? If I am convinced that my wife is illustrating just how harsh and dangerous and unfriendly the world is, naturally I'm, I'm going to be not at peace. But if I don't subject myself to that false imagery, then I can remain calm. And then finally, um, and this really has to do with the, all the kind of step-by-step analysis that I'm going to show you, um, it promotes self-discovery and it, it gives us a chance to really get to know us, ourselves and then to integrate ourselves. And by um, integrate, what I mean is that rather than being at war with some aspect of ourselves that we don't like, we're embracing it, even though we're not you know, satisfied with what it is at the moment, we're getting to know it, we're bringing consciousness to it, and we're transforming it so that it becomes harmonious with the best aspects of who we already are. That's what I mean by integration. So that, of course, brings up the question, well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to integrate lower self energies and false beliefs and all that kind of stuff? And the answer to that is going to, uh, I'm going to use a term that I'm going to define after I use it, all right? So how we're going to do it, we're going to clear with our life experience on a daily basis. And when I say on a daily basis, that's aspirational, okay? In other words, uh, it would be great if we could do it every single day. And there's no reason why we shouldn't kind of set that as a serious goal. Um, but, you know, there are going to be days where it doesn't happen. And that's, that's inevitable. I mean, um, one sets oneself up for failure by having low expectations and low goals. Uh, but at the same time, one sets oneself up for failure by saying, I'm going to do that every single day for the rest of my life. And then, you know, uh, interpreting not doing it for two or three days as proof that, you know, I'm a failure, I can't live up to any of my commitments, and so forth. So I'm putting on a daily basis out there in that uh, kind of spirit. So let me explain what clearing means. Um, I'm taking that term from a Mankind Project practice. Um, what I'm going to teach you is not exactly the same, but... Um, it inspired me, um, that is used there to create safe groups or safe containers is another term for that. So, so people can get together, men can get together, talk about things that are seriously important to them and that are, you know, vulnerable and not have to be dealing with unresolved personal conflicts. I mentioned all of that 
just to acknowledge the Mankind Project. I'm not affiliated with them. They don't endorse what I do. Um, but it wouldn't be right, I don't think, for me to teach you this and not give credit where credit is due. So a good, good chunk of what I'm going to show you came from them. Um, let's see. Oh, and I'll just add the comment that uh, I think the usefulness of this practice, even in the way that the mankind uses it, is way beyond just um, uh, avoiding unresolved personal conflicts in, let's say, process groups. I think this is really something that's potentially world-changing. You know, they could bring peace on earth if if a, a reasonable number of people understood how to do it and could model it for other people, uh, and if we could kind of create a culture of, of uh, looking at what's happening inside of us instead of just, uh, instead of just reacting and, and enlisting the lower self, then uh, I think that would be fantastic. So anyway, um, enough of that. So um, I'll show it to you in a second. Before I do, I just kind of want to um, speak to where we are in the grand scheme of the seven practices, okay? We had already talked about a daily review, and initially, in the first practice, I had said what we really want to do in daily review is look back at how we had handled our feelings during the day, when had we allowed them to express in an organic way? When had we uh, interfered with them? Um, and then in the second practice, I said, let's add to that, that we're going to look back at when the lower self was active. And we're just going to hold whatever we notice there with honesty and with compassion, okay? Because we're not going to shame ourselves for being imperfect human beings and for having lower selves. Uh, we all do. Now we're going to a kind of third level of this, which is going to really incorporate the, the first two. The first two are going to sort of pop up in what is now a, a bit more of an elaborate structure. And the, the question here is, when did I experience conflict? or disharmony, um, and, and that's usually going to come up in the context of another person. So for now, let's, let's think of it as, a, as an interrelational thing. It can happen with myself, um, and everything that I'm saying could be applied to relationship to self, and it could also happen with life in general, or with um, one's concept of who God might be. Um, but there has to be, I think, some, some other, um, even if it's just, even if it's me looked at from the perspective of another in order for this all to work. Uh, don't get too hung up on that. I'll, I'll, you, the important stuff is how does it work and what does it do? Does wonderful, amazing things. Um, so let me show you what the steps are. And again, um, this is work, and part of the work is going to be uh, that some people are going to find this difficult to learn, which is perfectly fine. Um, you know, 
we're all different. Certain things come to us really, really easily. Some people pick up an instrument and, you know, by the end of the day, they're doing little tunes and stuff. Uh, other people like myself, you know, tried to learn to play guitar 18 times and, you know, finally just said, this is not going to work for me. Um, this, what I'm going to show you will work for everyone, but, um, for, for some, it may be, uh, there may be a learning curve and that's fine. Um, there are multiple aspects and pieces to it. So, all right, uh, let me just show you what I mean. So basically we're going to take an event. For instance, uh, I got home and I said hello to my wife and she didn't answer me. And we're going to run through, we're going to break it down basically into four, five, six, seven, eight parts. So let me tell you what the parts are and then I'll do that example and then I'll do another example. And in the future, I'll find a way to, um, to support all of this with, with more instructional material for people who want it. Uh, but let me just go ahead and do it. So the first one is what are the data? And that, uh, I started explaining this to a female friend of mine and she said, data, that's a very male word. And she was observing that, you know, it had come from the mankind project and she, and she just thought it was kind of characteristically male. I don't know, you know, maybe, but the, but certainly it is a technical word and it refers to, um, what of what happened would a camera have picked up and a mic and a microphone have picked up anything else that we think happened there that didn't actually, that you couldn't prove by playing a recording, uh, you know, a, a sound and visual recording is not data. All right. The next part is judgment or, uh, you could say as kind of synonyms, uh, assessment or interpretation. This is all the stuff that, oh, we might be so sure is true about it, but, um, may or may not be. All right. So having a little, <laughs> having a little issue here, if you're watching me with, uh, trying to spell interpretation. So if you're listening to me, just bear with me for one second. I'm going to just interpretation. Okay. So let's, let's just look at this as it applies to me coming home uh, and my wife not answering me. The data are that I came home. I said, hi, honey. She did not say anything back. That's it. Those are the data. She was rude to me. She ignored me. She deliberately tried to hurt my feelings. She's self-centered, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All that belongs in judgment. If we as a human race could just learn to make this separation, this is what actually happened. This is what, but the data, but the judgment, all of that stuff, it didn't necessarily actually happen. It's my interpretation of what happened. It's subjective. 
it may not be real. If I start activating lower self to respond to this, to fight back, I may be actually an aggressor. I may be a troublemaker because I may be starting stuff based on uh, something that is not real. And, you know, I've known people in my life who were very avert about um, saying things like, for instance, uh, nobody likes me because I tell the truth. I just say what's on my mind. And what they're saying is all kinds of interpretive stuff. You know, you're a liar, you're this, you're that. And the reason people don't like them is not that they're telling the truth. It's that they're spewing, you know, these judgments that are really not founded in fact. Well, you know, we can look at people like that and we can say, oh yeah, that's really inappropriate. You know, I, no wonder nobody likes them. But the truth of the matter is there's a person like that in every single one of us. Okay, there's, there's a little, you know, place in our minds where we're just sure that what we imagine happened in a certain situation is what happened and we're ready to go off and go to war. Okay. All right, so um, feelings is the next one. And feelings is what we were talking about in practice one. And generally speaking, when we're doing clearings, the, the four feelings that are involved are anger, fear, shame, and sadness. That's almost always the case. Um, these are the four feelings that create trouble. They're the ones we don't like to feel, and therefore, um, in order not to feel them, uh, we start to we start to engage the lower self in protective action. Sometimes it's sometimes we do that in ways that are not um, conflict-producing. Um, but other times we do, and that's what we're really looking for here. Okay, so that's the feelings part. The next part is the wound. Usually, I'm upset about a present situation because it's touching on a, a wound that I experienced in childhood. And I talked about this in, uh, I believe it was the first practice, when I was talking about bucketing. Uh, by the way, I never explained why bucketing is called that. That's also an MK, uh, sorry, Mankind Project practice. And the idea is that we're kind of, you know, going down to the bottom of the well and we're bringing up, you know, deep feelings, all right? Um, but uh, so we're so so the wound piece is um, what it is from long ago, deep down underneath there, that is getting activated in this situation, and uh, it's it's the kind of thing we were talking about in bucketing, where uh, we remember we put our hands on where it is in our body that we're feeling the feeling. And uh, we, we give it a color, you know, we wait to, to have a sense of what the color might be. And we do the same thing with the sound. And then often something from early childhood comes up. Um, that's the wound. 
That's the thing that is making us react to the present uh, event. Then after that, there's the mirror. The mirror, which, is, uh, which could also be called projection, is the aspect of this thing that we're objecting to that lives in us. A lot of times when we don't like something in somebody else, uh, maybe there's a wounds component, but there's also sometimes a projection component. In other words, uh, maybe uh, a parent did something to us in a certain way that affected us badly, but we also modeled on that parent. And we also do the same thing ourselves. And that may be one of the reasons that we're being conflictive in our response because we don't, we don't want to admit this about ourselves. We don't like it. Uh, the next thing that we look at is the defense. What did I do to try to avoid feeling bad here? Um, and it could be stuff that we've talked about before, for example, suppression and denial, um, or it could be um, more aggressive type stuff. All kinds of possibilities as far as that goes. And don't worry, I'm about to do examples here. So you're, if, if you're feeling like this is a little bit abstract, just hang on for one second. Um, the next part is what's the higher self aspect? Um, if there was a lower self energy that was uh, activated, what is the higher self origin of that? What's the, what's the part of the reaction that reflects something that's actually good about ourselves? And then finally, wants. And that has to do with um, maybe I want something from the other person in this situation. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it, but it doesn't hurt to be aware of it. Maybe if it's somebody I'm close to, I'll mention it to them. I'm not trying to coerce anybody's behavior. I'm not trying to get anybody else to change here. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is about getting to know me. But if it's the right kind of relationship, I might mention to the person, hey, you know, I, I, I had a bad reaction to what you did and, or, you know, what you, what I perceived that you did. And I noticed in the midst of all of that, that, uh, you know, it's, such and such thing is important to me. Just thought I'd mention it to you. Don't expect you to, to necessarily totally accommodate me. Um, and then you might also have wants for yourself about how you want to uh, respond to this kind of a situation in the future. All right, let me make this really concrete now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two uh, different events and run them through this sequence uh, so, so it'll be more grounded in something real. So let's, uh, let's do the whole thing with the, uh, I come home and my wife doesn't answer me when I say hello. Again, the data is, that's it. I said hello and she didn't answer me. My judgment about her is that she was ignoring me. That's the key thing. In other words, I'm judging that she did this on purpose that she heard me and that she made a deliberate decision uh, not to respond to me. And whatever the details of that are, uh, my judgment is that it wasn't nice. That's the core judgment. 
Okay, my feelings about that. Now remember, I talked about this earlier. Um, anger's going to be on top. But when my dad uh, did not pay attention to me, I felt sadness. And I also felt shame because I took it on. I thought if I was a better son, he would love me more. So those are the feelings that are coming up for me. And I might have to go through that kind of bucketing process uh, to, to get in touch with those. Um, and that kind of dovetails with the next piece, which is the wound. The wound then is um, my, my dad is, uh, does not pay much attention to me as a child. And I, and I interpret that as not, not being loved. Uh, the mirror part, is there something about her behavior that uh, reflects some aspect of me that I don't like? Well, some part of me wants to say no, but then let me try to really, you know, stick with it. Am I, do I ignore people or do I have an attitude that's similar to the attitude that I'm interpreting here, which is dismissive. Yes, absolutely. I am dismissive. I'm def definitely dismissive. That lives in me. That's from my dad too. My dad was a very, very, very intelligent man. Um, and he just, he just didn't have time for people who weren't on his intellectual level. He, he just, you know, he clearly had a, a certain kind of contempt. And um, on some level, I modeled that. I was pretty smart as a young man too, or as a, as a child in school. And I didn't feel that great about myself for other reasons. So a little bit of that contempt because, hey, I'm smarter than you, um, did definitely creep in there. And so, yes, um, there is a, there is a, there is a piece there that's a mirror. I'm imagining that she's thinking, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to bother with you. And I have that attitude towards other people. So what was my defense here? Um, well, it could have been a lot of things. Let's pretend that I got mad and that I said, you know, I, you need to change. You can't do this. You can't just ignore me like that. And that we got into a big fight. All right. That would have been my defense. I would have enlisted aggression to, to, uh, to, to fight back. All right, well, what about, you know, so this might be a little, these last couple of things might be a little difficult for me to, uh, to absorb about myself. And I have to remember to be compassionate to realize that I can't hold myself to unrealistic standards of perfection. But it's also helpful to me in the whole process if I can remember that I do have a higher self and that somewhere in this whole situation uh, there's higher self energy that's getting distorted. So what is that higher self energy? When I come home and I, and I say, hi, you know, what, am I, what do I want there? Well, I want connection which is a good thing. You know, I, I want to be connected with another human being. I want to give and receive love. Um, so that's nice. 
I'm just not going about it in a very mature or uh, effective way. But I do have a, a, the underlying impulse here, the underlying instinct or whatever you want to call it, desire is a good one. So that's important to keep in mind. And then finally, what are my wants? Well, I might have a want from her that she, you know, uh, drop what she's doing or, you know, that she be, that she answer me all the time. But you know what? I, I'm not going to invest in that because that's actually not super realistic. I mean, if, as it turns out, she just didn't hear me or to, to uh, use an example that's more true to life, she was completely absorbed in whatever it is she was doing. She was writing an email, uh, for instance, and she just, you know, couldn't process the other input at that moment. I, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to notice that want on my part, and then I'm going to give it up because it's not, I, I don't, I don't want to take a stand there that she should change that part of herself. I don't think that's important. I think what's important and what I do want for myself is that I have some toleration, that I'm able to be with my feeling of uh, sadness and shame for being ignored, uh, you know, or having the perception of that. And uh, that's what I want. I want to grow in that direction. So now I'm complete. Now I've done this whole clearing, unpacking process. And if I do this over and over and over and over again for years, <laughs> it, I'm not going to lie, you know, um, I, I will become a vastly different person because I will no longer be at the mercy of all these automatic uh, behaviors that cause trouble. And I'm going to be able to um, respond to things much more positively. All right, I'm going to run through one more time with uh, another example I already talked about. Uh, somebody was staying at this rental property of mine. I knew that the shower wasn't super great. It, it turned out that they had been taking cold showers and because uh, the faucet had deteriorated in the interim in the time that had passed since I'd last been there and um, they got in touch with me and the guy was mad all right so uh, the data are that I uh, did not repair the shower before I rented the property that um, the they were taking cold showers and that they uh, communicated that this was unacceptable to them and that they wanted it fixed real fast. Okay, uh, those are the data. The judgment that I had um, was that he was really PO'd, he was really mad, and that I had maybe done something really, really wrong, that I should have repaired it because I knew that it wasn't great and so I, I maybe I had done a, a bad thing by renting this apartment out. My feeling was fear. I was a little afraid of his anger. We had a video call and he was not being, uh, I don't want to 
conjure up the idea that he was foaming at the mouth or anything. He was just annoyed. Um, I was a little afraid around that because it kind of uh, reminded me of dad being mad. I'm kind of jumping ahead here. And um, I also felt uh, fear of a, uh, that I was going to get punished somehow, that like the world was going to have retribution on me because I had been so bad. Uh, so what was the wound? Well, um, I already kind of mentioned the obvious, you know, here's a man getting mad at me. My dad used to get mad at me sometimes when I was little, and it really scared me because it was very abrupt and there wasn't much warning. But then underneath, you know, that's kind of not enough to explain this terror, this terror that, you know, the universe is going to like, you know, do something absolutely horrible to me because I've been bad. And then, I, so digging into that a little bit, I tied it to something that I was already aware of, but it just took me a moment to make the connection, which is that when I was about three or four, uh, my dad got mad and I was having a, uh, hot bath or warm bath with my mom uh, she was we weren't in there together I, what I mean is that she was you know giving me a bath and um, he came and he scooped me out of the bath he pulled me up like this and he spanked me in midair and it was cold and I was terrified that like I was going to fall on my head on the tile or whatever I would you know it was all precarious and it, it just fried my circuits. It was traumatic in a, in a huge way. And so this, that's where the terror comes from. I, I, I have trauma-based uh, expectation that if I do something that a, uh, an angry man doesn't like, I'm, I'm, something horrific is going to happen. Well, what about the mirror? Am I, uh, do I see in myself a kind of an angry, punitive uh, personality. Well, sad to say, yes. I mean, I wish that were not true, but it is. Um, I can be uh, really unforgiving. I can, I can have standards, you know, I kind of justify it to myself as, well, I just have high standards. Yes, I do. Uh, but I am sometimes just like vicious in the way that I uh, mentally, if not in speech sometimes, I've gotten better at this by the way, but I'm talking about my life history um, and about things that are just kind of in there even if I've come, you know, 90% of the way out of them. Uh, but I, I, I can just be vicious in terms of uh, punishing people for, n for not living up to, to certain what I consider be minimal levels of, you know, performance or whatever. Um, okay, so that's the mirror. Um, what was my defense in this situation? Well, if you heard about this when I was doing, uh, what was it? I guess it was practice one. Um, I actually didn't defend against this. I actually let myself kind of be in the fear. And um, that was something that I looked at as being, uh, I, I was very happy that I was able to do that. So let's just pretend that 
um, I defended by, you know, uh, uh, lighting a joint, you know, get, putting on a buzz. Um, that's something I might have done earlier, you know, early in my life. Um, and, and I might also have defended by deciding that this guy, you know, he's a really bad guy. I hate this guy. I'm, you know, none of which I, I didn't do either of those things. I, you know, I have a perfectly fine relationship with a guy and everything's fine because I didn't defend, but you know, it could have gone like that. Um, what's the higher self aspect in this? The higher self aspect is that I do have high standards. You know, that is okay. That's a good thing. To want things to be done well is, uh, is positive. It's just that I've attached this kind of punitive energy to that. I've, I've married that to, to a, a very unfriendly and mean enforcer. And so I need to, you know, tease that out and separate those things. But there is definitely a higher self aspect there. What are my wants? Uh, as far as this guy goes, nothing. It's all good. Uh, I don't want anything at all from him. Um, I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I just mean we're good. Um, as for myself, though, I, I like that I allowed myself to feel the fear. The, the way I want to evolve in this situation or, or around this situation is that I had that little niggling thing saying, you know, eh, that shower's not so great. And I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't listen to the inner voice. That's something I identified as a fault in the, in the previous practice. I don't always listen to inner guidance. There was, I knew better. I should have done that before I rented it. So uh, my learning and my want is not about showers. It's about listening to, to the inner voice. So like I said, we'll do a lot of more of this and, and I, I can totally see where people might want to have written material and um, this is an evolving uh, project and as I'm shooting this, I'm at an early stage, but I understand the need for educational support and I will uh, try to get around to that as soon as reasonably possible. Uh, if you're overwhelmed or discouraged, please don't be. Um, and I realize some of you are, are not. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I can't wait to do this. But if you happen to be discouraged or overwhelmed, um, don't, don't give in to that. Uh, remember, your lower self does not want to change. So when something, uh, when there's a road to change and it involves some kind of, involves some kind of effort, it involves any kind of learning, whatever, um, the lower self's going to say, eh, yeah, who needs that? It's probably not even so great. Don't listen to that. Um, you can learn this and it will uh, change your life in such wonderful ways that you'll be really happy that you did. And that's it for the third practice. I just want to leave you with three quick thoughts. Uh, the first is that um, I just want to remind you why we did this whole thing. I started out by explaining that vicious cycle where we perceive threats and then we uh, enlist the lower self to defend against them and that uh, generates negative feedback which we then again interpret as threats and I 
said that the really the best place to kind of cut that whole process off was in the part of the mind uh, or the, the tendency of the mind, let's say, to say, oh, I've seen this before and to uh, interpret and uh, interpret new events as uh, recurrences of painful events from childhood and so forth. And you can see how, you know, separating data and judgment challenges that right away. And then we have all this opportunity for growth and self-understanding that comes when we uh, pursue the rest of this process. So that was one thought. Um, another one is I want to encourage you to move forward from this to the fourth practice, um, seeing uh, our life circumstances as spiritual effects, because it's going to take all of this and it's going to add uh, one more dimension that's going to be uh, make it all that much more powerful and give us that much more control over our lives. And then the last thing I was going to say is that I introduced this as part one of, um, of the introduction to the third practice because I really never expected that I would get through the whole thing uh, as kind of cleanly as, as I did. And I thought there would be a break point and that I would turn it into two episodes, but um, there was really no need to do that. So this is just the intro to the third practice and it's now over. And I look forward to seeing you um, in the next episode. Take care. Thank you for giving your time and attention to this episode of The Way of the Higher Self. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. And I hope you'll come back for more. Personally, I'd love for us to stay connected. If you feel the same way, I hope you'll subscribe to the Way of the Higher Self YouTube channel and or the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can also visit thewayofthehigherself.com where you'll find a growing library of materials to help you manifest your most evolved and positive qualities. While you're there, Sign up for email alerts and we'll keep you informed as more content is added to take your practices to a deeper level. Until next time, no matter what life may bring, I wish you maximum progress on your path.